the show. Always glad to talk to Dr. John Woodward. He's the Director of Counseling and Training at uh, Grace Fellowship International. And since 1970, they have been helping disciplers to live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. What's not to like about this organization and my guest, Dr. John Woodward. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me back, Bill. Good to be with you. You kidding me? I love your your mission, and I love what you do, and I love your your heart and passion for the Lord. So, I'm we're the lucky ones today, John. And it's certainly a, a mission that's more urgently needed than ever, isn't it, Bill? Amen. I mean, even with what's going on in the world right now, I can imagine that some of the people coming knocking on your door for discipleship and counseling have are dealing with anxiety and and fear and maybe even some panic attacks, which is very sad but true. And it's uh, something that's coming to us much more this year because of the coronavirus um, epidemic, the economic effects of that, and the unrest in our society. Um, but one of our privileges, Bill, is to offer hope that there are biblical solutions that are grace-oriented and really effective. Those are the ones, John, I am most interested in hearing about because those are the ones that are mm-hmm. true and they give life and give it abundantly. So let's talk about one of those. Maybe there would be a, a passage from Scripture you could share with us today and do a little bit of teaching. I'd love that. Well, um, one of the themes related to helping people, Bill, is the issue of wisdom. Um, there's a passage in James that contrasts uh, the wisdom of a secular society trying to figure out what the problem is and how to get solutions with uh, biblical Wisdom, And if I can just read that to our listeners, this is from the book of James, chapter 3. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything are there. That sounds like a pretty negative it scenario, does. doesn't it, Bill? Yeah, yeah, it does. It kind of sounds like uh, the news reports that we see too often. <laughs> no kidding. Um, people can be experts on sociology and uh, politics, but um, is there truth that can be applied to these situations to, to actually bring about change? Um, the passage goes on to say, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Sounds like that's a solution that can really help us individually in our families and in our society. If society would be interested in accepting it and embracing it, yes. Uh, Personally, we can do something about that today, which is exciting. It is indeed. So when we talk about offering these solutions, Bill, we have people um, contacting us that are struggling with things like uh, chronic fear. Um, Sometimes they'll have a panic attack. They'll go to the hospital and uh, they assume they're having a heart attack or or some other thing that's primarily physical. And then the doctor does a series of tests and they say, we can't find any 
medical reason uh, for this, so it, it must be due to uh, to emotions. And our our counselees that call us are quite shocked that physical symptoms could be that severe and yet be generated by cumulative anxiety and stress. But that is indeed what's happening. Many of them have turned to other ways of trying to get therapy and are not satisfied um, that they haven't found the solutions that are really giving lasting change. And so then we get the privilege of opening the scriptures and and allowing um, the Lord's wisdom uh, to shine in like like a beam of light shining through the darkness to give them hope and direction. And we get the privilege of walking with them and uh, letting God do the changing. And we get to facilitate and offer them support on the journey. That's incredible. And we're also probably um, wise to not underestimate the important connection between mind and body. That's that's so true. And especially when someone is having these kind of physical symptoms, racing heartbeat, um, headache, high blood pressure, and and uh, yes, they're, they're, they are real physical symptoms. They're not imagining them, but often they are generated by emotional and mental turmoil uh, where a person's natural resources are being overwhelmed. And so that can um, just build up to the point of having what we typically call a panic attack. And usually that's a tipping point, Bill, for them to call and, and actually ask for some intentional counseling process. And we um, invite them to explain to us what the context is of their life. We put that in perspective in terms of their upbringing and, uh, and then show them that there are uh, spiritual solutions that uh, can help them meet these needs, not just by helping them cope a little bit more effectively, you know, with a positive thinking or or some other uh, strategy, but actually to learn a whole new approach um, to living life and living the Christian life, which is living out of a, their new identity, which can come through a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And John, I would imagine we we all need to give ourselves a measure of grace because a lot of the times this doesn't happen overnight, does it? It is a process, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we have a number of folks that have been watching one of our friend's uh, testimonial videos on YouTube, and his name is Aaron Kim, K-I-M, uh, has several thousand people watching his uh, testimonies. And um, as we had the privilege of walking with Aaron through this, it was several months before he had his breakthrough. He had been in a mental hospital. He had tried various forms of therapy. He was a we call it a PK, right? A pastor's kid, a worship leader. So he's very devout, but also had um, suicidal uh, depression and anxiety and insomnia. And people are seeing Aaron Kim's video and getting new hope. So as we walk with them, as you said, Bill, we need to give ourselves a measure of grace. It is a process. Um, we help people identify that um, it's wise to go below the symptoms to see that there are root issues. Often it has to do with rejection. Um, and, uh, maybe sometimes abandonment or abuse or trauma in a person's life. And they've learned to kind of stuff that down and try to cope with life and put on a brave face and do the best they can. But then as um, the stress builds up in their life, as maybe relationships collapse or they lose their job, then their ability to cope uh, is no longer able to keep those things suppressed. And then it, it becomes a crisis. But we believe a crisis can also be an opportunity. When, John, I think of some of the the rhythms of life for people, they've got a job that they enjoy going to, maybe that has gone away, maybe their uh, place of worship they can't go to right now, obviously, because they cannot 
uh, it's, they're not allowed to. So they're mm-hmm. missing contact. They're missing, you know, maybe a half a dozen hugs from people on a, on, on a typical Sunday where they're feeling that much more isolated and withdrawn. And, and, you know, sometimes you just need arms around you, even if it's just a, you know, a hug from a, uh, a loved one at church. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's the spiritual resources that we emphasize, but then it's those spiritual resources through uh, loving friends, um, especially when we're talking about Christian fellowship, but certainly the value of social support, friendships. Um, we are members of one another, the Bible says, in the Christian family, and that should be demonstrated. So certainly the rhythms of life, uh, um, this time of isolation can often bring people a sense of loneliness and uh, depression sets in. Just today, Bill, a, a card came in the mail to me from a senior citizen in uh, Missouri, and she was discovering some of these truths about God's grace and what Jesus says in John chapter 15, that he is the true vine and believers uh, are like branches on that vine and there's an organic connection. So just as the grapevine produces grapes through the branches, so God's Spirit through the believer can give us love and joy and peace and these other things. Uh, Can I read you a line from her card? Oh, please. She says, um, I'm thankful that her Heavenly Father is lifting those veils from my mind. She's talking about veils of, of, of ignorance, not knowing about how her past had affected her and how she learned to cope. He's lifting those veils from my mind, those old identity messages from my past, and assisting me to view from his lens, his word, who I really am in Christ. I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. There she's quoting from Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. But uh, that's a pattern, Bill, of seeing that when people discover a new dimension of uh, what it means to be identified with Christ and the cross and to, to yield to the Lord and to trust him to be their resource for living, that um, the anxiety um, shifts to peace, the depression shifts to joy, um, the discouragement um, shifts to hope. And we believe that um, offering people faith-based solutions is a real adventure and a great privilege. This is probably kind of ties into this, what you just read coming from this uh, person. But what about Christians uh, that still are really have anxiety issues and Look at we're reading the word, we're praying, yet we still have these emotions and this imbalance. What is the next step we should be taking? Well, I think um, during my years as a pastor, what I noticed that typically what we would do uh, to try to help someone like a listener who may feel exactly as you just described, we can point them to verses like Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in some cases, Bill, that's enough to give someone that lift, that encouragement. But sometimes there there is a deeper-rooted issue. Here at Grace Fellowship, we call it the self-life, which is another way to define flesh. The Bible says we have this inner struggle where the flesh and the spirit of God in us are kind of in conflict. And sometimes we think that that's just uh, real obvious sin problems, but often that even can be a self-righteous kind of uh, condition. Remember in Philippians chapter three, Paul lists his credentials where he had all kinds of um, commitment to please God and to be very religious. But then he says in Philippians three, 
that I, I counted all those things to be to be actually rubbish. In other words, he let go of depending on his self-righteousness. Then he says that I may be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So, Bill, we want to help someone have a deeper, what Chuck Swindoll used to call a grace awakening, to see that that we're not only forgiven when we receive Jesus as our Savior, but we're given a gift of acceptance, a gift of righteousness. And when that is more fully understood, which is taught clearly in, in Paul's letters in the New Testament, he goes on to say in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, know the Lord Jesus, know God, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. And that power is power to overcome anxiety and panic attacks and depression. But also, he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. So this counseling model is not saying that, you know, when we comply with these conditions, that all of our problems disappear and our circumstances instantly become ideal. Uh, in the New Testament, we have a very realistic picture, don't we? Where our Lord says, in this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John, I understand why you are such a great counselor. You've got this incredibly calming spirit, and yet you just give so much beautiful scripture, which is what brings people life and brings it uh, abundantly. So let me take a short break. Dr. John Woodward is my guest. Uh, He's the director of counseling and training at Grace Fellowship International. You can go to gracefellowshipinternational.com to learn more about John. And we'll take a short break and be right back. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have Dr. John Woodward as my guest. He is over at Grace Fellowship International. He's the Director of Counseling and Training, and uh, he knows his stuff. And John, I was wondering if we could maybe look at uh, a passage from Scripture. Uh, I think it's in 1 Chronicles about the children of Issachar. Yes, it's in that well-worn passage in our Bible, Bill, that our Bible (laughs) just flops open to 1 Chronicles. (laughs) Always does. Does mine anyway. (laughs) Well, First Chronicles chapter 12, uh, you and I were talking earlier about verse 32. The children of Issachar, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, this, this uh, amazing quote, um, they had understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. So the two statements here that grab our attention, one is they had understanding of the times. And Bill, the times we're living in are so tumultuous, they their um, worldviews are at war trying to figure out what the problem is, what the solution is. You know, is the solution violence? Is it politics? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is it is it uh, some social program? Um, and to know what Israel ought to do, what are the solutions? Uh, we might talk about fatherlessness, for example. We just had Father's Day a while back, and we can talk about um, the importance of having healthy, um, loving homes and um, but then what do we do about that if fatherlessness is a problem? Well, we believe that as only as the human heart changes and people experience healing and freedom and love, that they can then have healthy relationships, which then in turn can give better marriages, which then can give more um, stable homes where children can be loved and protected and discipled. And then society has that benefit of that salt and light uh, making this world a better place. So as biblical counselors, we seek to serve those who come to us, whether it's for marriage counseling or individual counseling, 
to help people tap in to understand, you know, what the root issues are and then how to turn to God's wisdom to find those solutions. So there's such great uh, counsel. I mean, God's God's word is has everything we need. Um, sometimes people will need medication as well because the brain is a interesting organ and sometimes it gets mm-hmm. out of balance just like a pancreas isn't producing insulin. The brain may not producing a certain chemical that you need. So I suppose it's a big comprehensive program all the time, isn't it? Right. And we never uh, judge people if they're if they're using a different type of therapy or they're on medication. That's between them and the Lord and their doctor. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, we emphasize the physical uh, health, um, psychological health, you know, based on the soul, spiritual health, which I believe is unique to the human being. We're made in God's image. We have a conscience. We have the potential of communion with God through the gospel. Um, we have intuition, that that inner awareness that there must be a meaning to life, right, Bill? There must be significance. There's a need for worth and 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 value. And so we can uh, address those spiritual needs. And then, of course, interrelationship, interrelational needs as well. But rather than just dealing with one aspect, we want to be holistic. And then we also want to go from there from the diagnosis to the remedy, which we believe needs to be biblical and Christ-centered and grace-oriented. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, we started off talking about the book of James, and I, I love, again, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, and of course, God wants to give it liberally and without reproach. What? How do you understand that? If someone's listening, going, okay, God's going to give me all the wisdom I need, but what should I expect? Well, I think it helps to define wisdom a little bit. Um, uh, the book of Proverbs is a great resource for wisdom, isn't it, Bill? I love it. It happens to be 31 chapters, and usually there are 31 days of the month. So a listener may want to do a project of reading one chapter of Proverbs for every day of the month. Um, but uh, wisdom is, we might say it this way, wisdom is applying truth to life. How does truth apply to life? Now, again, that's countercultural, isn't it, Bill? Because many people say there is no absolute truth. Well, Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is what God has revealed about who he is, the meaning of life, how to know him, you know, what is what is true and meaningful. But then the wisdom of how does that relate to me? So as you quoted from James chapter 1, verse 5, uh, as we pray for wisdom, God will help us understand uh, the scriptures. He will help us to take unchanging principles and apply them to our individual lives. So when we counsel people, Bill, we don't give them specific advice about decisions that they need to make because that's their responsibility. But we can offer them support, empathy, biblical principles, which are timeless. They were true uh, thousands of years ago. They're just as cutting edge and relevant today, aren't they? They are. But you would have to be someone whose heart is turned uh, to Scripture that the Holy Spirit has revealed to them the truth of God's Word. There was a survey recently, John, that said 93% of all people believe a God exists, but only 73% believe in absolute truth. So I think the narrative out there is, uh, well, you can maybe go through the buffet line of the Bible and decide what you want and what you don't want. That is uh, that is the case in terms of our culture. Mm-hmm. But I think that's another reason why there's this existential despair. People think, well, there, there is no truth. How can I get wisdom? How can I find out the meaning of life? 
if what's true for you is different than what's true for me. So the traditional definition of truth of being that which corresponds to reality really resonates with what the Bible teaches when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and he will what? He will direct your paths, mm-hmm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of us are dealing with decisions we're facing during these um, uncertain days we're living in. To what extent should we socially distance and wear masks? And, you know, what is the treatment for coronavirus? What should I do about working from home? All these require wisdom, don't they, in terms of specific decisions? So we believe that um, discipleship and counseling should give people encouragement and hope, but also point them to these timeless biblical solutions, such as for guidance. Right. John, when I think of people wanting to know Christ more or they want the supremacy of Christ in their life, I always think that that comes at a cost where you have to be willing to not only fall in love with Jesus, but spend a lot of time in his word and make sacrifices to maybe forego some activities so you can be more involved in things of the Lord. And there's some people that, you know, I've talked to that would like to kind of continue to window shop and yet expect somehow this a big amount of intimacy with Christ and wisdom. And I, I always think, well, you have to be putting in your, your time with the Lord, too. Exactly. And Proverbs uh, uses kind of a poetic description of of uh, wisdom, you know, as a, a woman offering hospitality. She says, I prepare my banquet, come, you know, and partake of this banquet. So you're right, Bill. It takes time. It takes uh, sincerity. It takes a prayerful heart to say, uh, I want to know the God who created the universe. I want to have a personal relationship with him. I want to, to see how truth applies to my life. But that involves um, checking out the Bible for ourselves. You know, um, we're told from those who do social research that that most people have a keen interest in spiritual things, but often they've been turned off to organized religion, maybe due to um, a negative experience, because <laughs> whether people are go to church or don't go to church, we all have our blind spots and, and areas of a failure, but the only one who never disappoints us is God himself and Jesus personally. So we would encourage them that they should be aware of their spiritual needs for forgiveness, for hope, um, for uh, deliverance from anxiety, and then to go to the Bible directly with a prayerful heart. And Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, a famous invitation, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Sounds like a good offer, doesn't it, Bill? It sounds fantastic. John, maybe you would, just for the couple of minutes we have left, speak to the, the person listening right now that feels that they have trouble controlling their lives. They want to be in control, and they don't feel like they are and they're frustrated and wondering, uh, how can I be alleviated from this anxiety of feeling like I need to be in control? Well, you you put your thumb right in the pulse of uh, what we need to recognize, Bill, and that is when we try to be in control, that's what really ramps up the anxiety because we can't control what happens with coronavirus. We can't control politics or uh, other aspects of the economy. 
So the Bible gives us a radical invitation to be still and know that he is God. Um, and so that means we need to humble ourselves and realize that we cannot be in control. We need to submit to God's leadership and then um, turn that anxiety into prayer and let him um, be the one to be our good shepherd. Probably the best known psalm is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, you could paraphrase that I have everything that I need. So we would say there needs to be a relinquishment of control to God's leadership, but that also implies personal faith in the gospel and someone who sees that this is not just a religion, but it's a personal relationship. So maybe you would just uh, take the remaining minute we have left and just close in prayer with us. Well, I want to thank um, each one who has been listening and considering uh, these principles. And let's ask God for that wisdom we've been talking about. God, we just pause now as we conclude this program thanking you that we have the religious liberty to talk about spiritual values. Lord, for anyone who's listening who's struggling with anxiety and fears, we ask that they would revere you. And we ask that you would give them the wisdom to exchange their anxiety for your peace through prayer. Thank you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, the Prince of Peace. And we ask, Lord, for your blessing on this program and those who are listening in your name. Amen. Amen. Dr. John Woodward has been my guest. He's the Director of Counseling and Training at Grace Fellowship International. You can head over to gracefellowshipinternational.com. John, have a wonderful rest of the day. Blessings to you and your family. Thanks so much, Bill. Yep. We'll take a short break, and we will be right back with Hour 2. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.